patio, around the edge of which ran wrought iron railings, and beyond that was a drop of some six metres. On the rocks below, a woman lay face downwards, her head and shoulders in the shade of a cistus bush, the rest of her body in the sharp sunshine. A ragged pattern of blood ran from her head to the cistus. He turned. Exactly what happened when you arrived? She spoke haltingly, and at one point seemed to be about to break down, but managed to regain her self-control. She worked five mornings a week for Mademoiselle Law. This morning she'd been a few minutes late, because her friend's car had been very difficult to start. Her friend, who drove her each morning from La Ballon Basse, worked for Monsieur and Madame Fauroux. They were from Paris and behaved like it. Her friend said that they spent money like water, and... You arrived here a little late? Was the house open? he asked, cutting short what threatened to be a rambling description of the wealthy, arrogant lifestyle of the Parisians. She'd rung the bell. There'd be no answer. So, since she had a key, she let herself in. She only did this when the mademoiselle was out. First, she'd gone through to the kitchen to put on her apron and change her shoes. Then she'd begun to clean the house, and because she'd not swept the patio for a couple of days, in fact, not since the southerly wind, which had covered everything in a layer of Saharan sand, she decided to do that first. To begin with... Nothing had seemed to be wrong. But then, when halfway along the outer half of the patio, she'd paused for a moment's rest, in certain positions her back became painful, and she'd looked below. Her distant sight wasn't all that good, but she could still read without glasses, and at first she thought it was a bundle of old clothes. Perplexed by the question of what they were doing there, she'd moved along the patio until directly above them. And that was when she'd realised what she was looking at was a body. "'Have you been down to make certain it's Mademoiselle Orr, and that she's dead?' She confessed that when it came to injuries, she was a total coward. Nevertheless, she'd forced herself to go down to find out if there was anything she could do. There was no chance— that anyone with such injuries could still be alive. He thanked her, said he'd go down to look at the body. She showed him where the concrete steps were. It was difficult to know why anyone had built them down to the rock ledge, and he descended these. The woman lay almost on the edge of the ledge, her feet closer to the house. The injuries to her head made him wince, and he was not surprised that Madame Bonfly had been so positive there could be no life left in the body. He straightened, turned, and stared up at the patio. If the mademoiselle had been standing up against the railings, and for some reason had overbalanced, she would have landed about where she now lay. There were voices and then the rotund figure of Dr. Parsec came into sight. He said something to Madame Bonfly, then climbed down the steps. 
I know you, don't I? he said, as he reached the ledge. It's Jospin. That's right, Doctor. Never forget a face, he said with satisfaction. He studied the body. How much do you know? Just what the maids told me since I've been here. All she can say is that she arrived a little late, started work sweeping the patio, saw the body and came down to check there was no chance of life, then phoned for help. The doctor put down his bag, and after confirming death, examined the body, discovering the extent of possible movement, in turn checking head, arms and legs. What can you say about time of death? Jospin asked. No more than usual. In this warmth, rigor can start more quickly than usual, which probably means she died between eight.